Hi, I'm Nancy Post, and I'm a director at the Intelligent Solutions Group, working for John Deere. There's some really neat value propositions that we could have for our customers once we can have the capability of 5G in rural areas. I'm Catherine Speglia, and this is Well Technically, the tech podcast where women do the explaining. Hi, Nancy. It's great to have you here today. Great to be here. Uh, Yeah, we spoke, I know, back after CES, I believe it was. So I'm really looking forward to having another conversation with you around technology on farms, which is something I actually know very little about because I'm from Brooklyn. So I'm excited to get into that. But before we do that, I have to ask you that same question I ask everyone who comes on my show, which is, what is an example of a time in which being a woman has empowered you? Yeah, that one's um, an interesting one for me because my approach um, throughout my my entire career has really not been about about being a female and and particularly within um, the ag industry, many people think of that as being more male dominated, and it still is somewhat. But I've I've been much more focused on how do I do the best thing that I can do. Um, and one thing I learned at John Deere really early on is it's all about the customer. And it's all about the business. And you're looking at everything through those two lenses. I've tried to stay really true to that. One of the times that I really started to feel empowered, though, because I was a woman was you know, on a personal side is when I had my children. So I have two children and it just it changed my lens. It made me look at things differently. When once I had my kids, I felt like, okay, I've got to be a lot more organized and I've got to be a lot more efficient. And the things I I was doing in my personal life then helped me to be that way within work. It helped me communicate more efficiently and really motivated me a lot um, to give my best. And part of that was I was um, even I thought about, okay, what do I want for a career and and what will I be willing to sacrifice? And I was pretty intentional about that. And it made me think, okay, if I am going to be in the workforce, then I really want my children to be proud of not only what I do for a living, but what I'm part of. That was a really great answer. I feel like you addressed the idea of being a woman in tech from a lot of different angles and even you know, just being a mother, but particularly what you said at the very beginning of your answer, which was about how for you, maybe being a woman in tech isn't really an identity you focus too much on personally. And and I appreciate that because I realize I've started a podcast about women in tech, but I'm not trying to define women in tech as being a struggle necessarily. I'm I'm not trying to say that this is the experience every woman in a male dominated field has, has had. It's not just always hard. It's not always present. It's not always, for every woman, it feels very different. And for some women, they haven't felt held back at all. And that's important. I have, uh, I have seven brothers and I joke oftentimes that um, they were my first development program, you know, because <laughs> there's not much that phases me. Um, and I think the way that I address it, it oftentimes is because I was part of a big family and, and definitely had to deal with some strong male personalities from the beginning. (laughs) 
Oh yeah, that's definitely very helpful. I'm sure you're used to uh, male-dominated fields, if you will, even yeah. if that field is just your family. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned that part of being a mom, you wanted your kids to be excited about the things that you're a part of. So I did find a profile of you on a website for an organization called Engineer Girl, which of course sounded very relevant to elements of this podcast. So I thought I'd just ask you about it. What is this organization and why did you become involved in it? Yeah, Engineer Girl is simply um, a resource for young girls that are thinking of becoming an engineer and that want to learn about it. They might want to know what's it like to be a day in the life of an engineer, or um, they might be having hesitation because even their parents are telling them, no, no, that wouldn't be good for you for whatever reason and for whatever biases people have, or they might be being teased by their peers, et cetera. And um, we, so it's got a lot of very tactical information that's just factual, but it also helps them have a resource that they can ask and that they can reach out to and get information about questions they would be afraid to ask, let's say on a public forum. So we get emails in the background and we answer these questions that are a little bit touchier for the younger um, population to ask. And we try and give them our insights based upon our experience or our knowledge. And so I really just like being part of it because it's a very easy way to give back in just a tiny way. So. Sounds very cool. All right. So as I mentioned earlier, I am from Brooklyn, which means I know very little about farming or what modern farming looks like, despite the fact that I now live in Wisconsin. My instinct, though, is that it's much more technologically advanced than I assume it to be. <laughs> so on that note, can you just give me an overview of what modern farming looks like from a technology perspective? Yes, absolutely. Modern farming takes on many forms. So that's maybe the first point is that we meet a farmer where they're at and with the needs that they have. So there's farms of every different size. There's farms with different types of equipment, um, both older equipment and newer equipment. And we're trying to make sure that we're connected to all of that. From a very fundamental perspective, we are farmers and we're part of this, we wanna feed the world. And by 2050, there'll be 10 billion people to feed. And so that challenge is real. Um, being able to meet the challenge of having enough food, um, we wanna be part of that. And we wanna help our customers solve their problems. So our goal is to make sure that we're helping them make decisions faster and more accurately in order to address some of their big issues. There's a labor shortage, and we want to help with that. There's constant variability with weather, with crop types, land, and they're under a continuous time pressure. So if you look at all those things that our customers are dealing with, we want to use technology to help them solve it. And that can take, as I was saying, you know, a lot of, of different forms. A couple of examples of technology that I could go into. One is Autotrack. And we've been in production with Autotrack since 2002. And Autotrack is one of our automated jobs. It, but it, and it automates steering 
for our customers. So we've been steering our equipment um, for almost two decades now, when in some ways this is still a novelty for the automotive industry, we've continued to advance that. So initially we, we just, we automated steering for straight rows. And then we've continued to advance that. We've added vision guidance to that. We've added what we call row sense to that so that you can avoid running over the crops. Um, we've, we've added end row turns to that. So it can be pretty impressive um, what we can do, the precision, the accuracy, the time savings. One of the things with AutoTrack that we realized right away, we did it because we wanted to reduce inputs. So um, the input there would be fuel and time. We wanted to reduce that by avoiding overlap. We knew that it would help with productivity. What we didn't know was how much it would add to the comfort of a farmer, especially when you think about how long their hours are. So especially in the spring and the fall, you know, they might be working 16 hours, 20 hours a day. And while a really good um, driver can stay in a pretty straight line for most of that time, when you're fatigued, that changes a lot. We take a lot of that variability out out for our um, customers. And so that helps them a lot. Another great example for um, automation of jobs and leveraging computer vision and artificial intelligence is our combine advisor. And this is a system that uses cameras to watch the grain at a couple of key places in the system and make sure that we're maximizing the quantity and the quality of the grain that actually goes into the tank um, because that's where they get their revenue. And so by doing that, we can optimize the settings and then maintain those optimized settings throughout the day. With this artificial intelligence and machine learning, you can maintain the optimal output, which is really what the farmer wants, right? So those are just a couple of examples. I could go on and on, honestly, (laughs) about different forms of technology, but those are a couple of fun examples to share. Yeah, that's all really amazing. No need to go on and on because I am going to ask about another form of technology which is 5G. So I wanted to talk a bit about how 5G is being implemented on farms or how at least you are hoping to see it be implemented. Yeah, and I like the way you put that because as it is today, you'll hear about 5G in cities and how it's being leveraged already. But the 5G and the form that they're using it, that's not applicable to us yet on farms. And so what we're hoping for, and it'll probably be more, you know, mid, you know, maybe even out to 2025, we'll have to see, because in the cities, it's very low range and high bandwidth. And what we need and what we expect to get out of 5G is this much lower latency, so a lot faster speed and much better reliability. So we use connectivity today in many, many forms that are very important to our customers. And by using 5G, we could improve upon some of the capability that we have today because these very fast speeds and um, ultra high reliability, that's part of that standard. But then we could also, we could enable new things. So 
because of how fast we could communicate back and forth, things that we have to offboard today, we could probably have that loop of communication back to a machine could still be offboard. It could be at an edge computer, but it, we still could make, we could make some of those decisions super fast. So there's some really neat value propositions that we could have um, for our customers once we can have the capability of 5G in rural areas. And this level of connectivity that you just described, is it only present on large, more industrial-like farms, or are there smaller operations that are this connected as well? Yeah, it's it's all over. And it's really dependent on age of equipment. I mean, at this point, we have, with connectivity, we have over 300,000 vehicles in the field that are connected. So we have a tremendous number of connected, you know, um, what we would call vehicles overall and systems overall. You also said that 5G is not much of a thing yet for farms, but how much are, do? well, I guess I should ask, are farmers excited about 5G? Are they aware of 5G and what it can bring? Are they asking you about it? Yes. Farmers are so much more interested in technology and what it, and again, I don't mean to say every single farmer, right? But many farmers are so interested in how we're going to help them improve their business. That's the bottom line, right? In the end, they want to be able to improve their business. And that often includes reducing inputs, maximizing outputs, maximizing their potential, and with the precision that we're able to offer, they're also very interested in being good stewards of the land. And so we can help offer them that capability of understanding how to be better stewards of the land with the data that they have. I mean, we're looking at um, technologies where we know where every seed has been placed and we are now looking at technology where we're trying to detect where and, and determine which of each of the plants are an actual crop versus a weed. And for instance, only spraying the weed and not the crop, which would save them a lot of, um, you know, a, a lot of herbicides, et cetera. And so a lot of inputs, saving costs, but also preserving the land in a way that that wasn't possible previously. And so I'd say they're interested in 5G because they know it's the next level of technology. Now, do they understand exactly how we're going to leverage that technology? Some do, some don't. Um, but they they are always interested in what's going to give them that next edge. With connectivity in rural areas still a challenge, what is DEER doing around that to sort of address these challenges for its customers? We're working with service providers on a continuous basis really to address that issue because we definitely want our John Deere customers to have the benefit of connectivity. As we've talked about throughout the entire podcast, we're really focused on what connectivity, the benefits that connectivity brings, and we want our customers to have that. So we work with our service providers to expand that coverage. We work on standards committees. We stay very involved strategically in in the future of connectivity and how we can bring that benefit 
to all of our customers, no matter where they're located. Okay, so my last question for you is kind of looking to the future and just what farming trends are you personally keeping your eye on? Deer has been very focused for many years on being bigger, faster, and stronger and serving our customers with those as our some of our key tenants. And as we go forward, we're really looking at how should, can we be more precise, smarter, and more automated. So as you've heard throughout this, we're really focused on automating jobs to help our customers make better decisions and make those better decisions faster and in the moment. And in many cases, we're really looking at how can we make those decisions um, better than a human could actually make them. With all the data we have, we're at that point now where we can help them to make better decisions um, than they could make given the inputs that they have um, at their disposal when they're running equipment. Um, So I'm always looking at those trends. How do we automate more jobs? How does the data that we're collecting inform decisions so that we can make better decisions faster? And then probably the thing that I feel like I really want to continue to learn more about and to be close to is how do we focus on the sustainability of the products Um, the sustainability of the earth and how our products can help with that. And some of the things that we have in the works now will be really compelling going forward. So I'm super excited about that. Well, Nancy, it was a pleasure speaking with you again. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. Well, Technically is an Arden Media production. For advertising inquiries, contact Danny Miller at dmiller at ardenmedia.com. Today's show was produced and edited by me, Catherine Speglia.